The storms of life, they happen. And, and this is the big thing that I want to say today, and it's, it's, it's pretty simple. But I just want you to know, and I'm going to show you through a biblical story, that through, for God's people, storms happen. And we are not immune to them. And just because a storm comes into our life doesn't mean that we are being disciplined by God. It doesn't mean that, that, that we've done something wrong, that, we, that somehow God is correcting us on. It doesn't mean that we've done something wrong and the principle of sowing and reaping is, is coming into play here. I, what I want to tell you is something, is something you already know, but our emotions get in the way of this. Storms happen. They just happen. They happen to good people. They happen to bad people, however you want to find good and bad. They happen to the righteous, they happen to the unrighteous. They happen to the believer, and they happen to the unbeliever. Storms happen. And just because that I am a believer in Jesus Christ, just because I've been saved, just because I'm part of the body of Christ, uh, I, I, am, I'm, I am no ways protected from the difficulties of life. We can remember now back, what, almost 17 years ago when when 9-11 when happened, it's, it's estimated with discussing the families of the over 3,000 people that were killed uh, that day, that 20% of those uh, were Christian people and belonged to Christian families. 20% of 3,000 plus is at least 600 people that, uh, that were literally, uh, some burn up, some jumped out of buildings. These are God's people. These people that were saved. This is people that, that were trusting in God and, and leaning on God. And what I want to tell you today is the harsh reality that will not make you feel any better. But the biblical truth is storms happen. And when I go through a storm in my life, it doesn't, doesn't question the goodness of God any more than I can say, well, because I did that, then this is happening to me in my life. You can't always say that. Can I tell you something that's hard to, hard to you may not have ever had this thought, and this may not be a great way to explain it, and, but it's, it, it helps me because I used to be an old math teacher. Christian, the Christian life is not mathematical. And what I mean by that, two plus two does not equal four in the Christian life. Because if two plus two always equaled four in the Christian life, um, we wouldn't have to go through, God's people wouldn't go through some of those difficulties. Life's not mathematical, and the Christian life is not mathematical. Things don't always add up. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be great if things always add up, and you could explain this by looking at this, and then you get this outcome. That's the way it always happens. It doesn't happen that way. There are so many things in the Christian life that just make you scratch your head. Now, that, 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 certainly doesn't, doesn't exclude the fact that, that, that there are times when you are reaping what you have sown. There's no question that. And we can all think of times in our own lives and looking at other people's lives that we're just reaping what we have sown. But there are as many times that just don't add up that you just can't say this and this adds to this situation in life 
for the Christian and for the unbeliever. Storms happen. And I can go many places in Scripture to be able to to lay that out for you. I've chosen Mark chapter 4 this morning. And this is just a simple little story, and you've all heard this story, and you learned this story in Sunday school if you were in church, been in church that long. It's just a simple little story. But it, 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 it beautifully... It beautifully tells us that just storms happen. We don't know why they happen. You can't explain it away. It just happened. Mark chapter 4, if you have your Bible with you, uh, open it to Mark chapter 4. If you have it on your phone or grab one of the Bibles as you come in. Uh, and and what, what we've been finding, and it's really, really good and a great use of the Bibles that we have here um, we have to replace those Bibles every now and, then, now and then, and we find that many times you're taking those Bibles and giving them to people that don't have a Bible, and that's a really, really cool way to do that. So any of those Bibles that you see at the back, uh, they're free for you to take, and go ahead and make us buy more of those, okay? Mark chapter 4, verse 35. That day when evening came, he, that would be Jesus, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. So they were on the bank here, and, and uh, they were going to go over to this other side of this body of water. There's all kinds of, of history here on whether um, what we understand today to be a sea was really a sea in their time, or what they understand to be a lake was more like a sea in our time. We, it doesn't make any difference. But there was a body of water here, and, G, and Jesus basically says to the disciples, let's go over to the other side, okay? Leaving the crowd behind. So Jesus was probably teaching, okay? So let's go over to the other side. So leaving the crowd behind, he and his disciples, um, they got in the boat and they went across to the other side. There were also other boats with them. A furious squall. Now, how many times this week have you used the word squall, okay? A, a furious storm came up, okay? And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped, okay? So this just wasn't any kind of little normal little storm that I'm sure they had to face all the time when they were out in the sea. It says it was a furious squall. It was a bad storm, and the boat was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion, okay? The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up. He rebuked the wind and the waves, quiet, be still. The wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why were you afraid? Isn't that a, isn't that a weird thing to say? It was, all right, I guess I don't know how to define a furious squall, okay? Uh, the, the boat was nearly swamped. Um, most of these disciples were fishermen, so they had been used to being on water where storms came up. And no little storm would have scared them. Okay, yeah, it, yeah it's, it's, it's a storm. We've been through this before. We'll get it again. This must have been a, a humdinger of a storm, okay? Because they're fishermen. They're used to being on the water. And he looked at them, and it's not an odd thing for him to say. And he says, why? Why were you so afraid? You still don't have any faith? That's not one of them goosebumpy little statements of Jesus, is it? 
he just looked at him and says, waves coming over and said, you know, why were you so afraid of that? Do you still? After being with me for so long and seeing what I have done and the teaching that I've given you, but also seeing the miracles that I have done, do you still have no faith? I just want to show you just a few things. We're not going to take very long, but just a few things from this. And back in the very first verse, in uh, chapter 4, verse 35, they were just going to the other side. And if you go back and look at the context of this, you're, you can't see anything where Jesus was needing to teach the disciples a lesson. You can't see anything where the disciples had got out of line and Jesus needed to correct them. You can't see anything that they were now reaping what they had sowed. It's, at least it's not in the context of the story. They were just going to the other side. They were just going to the other side. The, the Nazarene pastors were just going to a conference. They were just flying home from a conference. And you could fill in the blanks for all the tragedies that that have happened in your life or in your family's life. And you know what? It, what's... They were just going to the other side. They were just minding their own business and they got cancer. They were just minding their own business and, and, and they were hit by a guy that ran a red light. They were just minding their own business and a tornado came. They were just going to the other side. Storms happen. I assume... The best I can do, it's a function of the fact, if you want to get mathematical, it's a function of the fact that we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that, that is not what God had intended it to be. And because we live in this fallen world, storms happen. There were no storms in Genesis chapter 2 as the world was created. But when, when man exercised his free will, storms came into the way. And that's about as mathematical as I can get and try to define all this stuff. They were just going to the other side. You go all through Scripture. Hey, Joseph was just minding his own business in the Old Testament. Okay, he was just the youngest son of 13 brothers, you know. Ah, he's probably a little mouthy and probably bragging maybe a little bit about this coat of different of many colors that he had he was a favorite of his daddy but he didn't deserve to be thrown in a pit storms happen and then his brothers felt bad about him being thrown in a pit so they got him out and they sold him to slave traders and he goes off to Egypt and because God's hands with him he he rises to some notoriety in, in, in Egypt, and he's a, he works for Potiphar, and, but then gets falsely accused of something that he did not do and gets thrown in jail again. I, the Bible depicts Joseph as a real man of faith. Why did that happen? 
Well, that happened so God would be able to get some man one day to write that down and so we'd have this lesson for our own lives. I don't know, maybe. But maybe this is just a, one of the many stories that happened in the Old Testament and they chose to pick this one because storms happen. And the storms that happened to Joseph, they also happened to him and her and him and her. And, and for whatever reason, God just inspired the biblical writer to remember this one. Moses. Moses. God used him to lead the people out of Egyptian bondage. And then for 40 years, he had to put up with a bunch of people grumbling in the desert. For 40 years. He had to put up with a bunch of people mumbling and grumbling against God in the desert. He didn't have an easy role of leadership there. David was hunted down by King Saul through no fault of his own. King Saul was, was, was probably pretty nuts, and he'd gone nuts with the jealousy that he had over David. And, 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 and so, so David was hiding out from King Saul, and King Saul wanted his life. What did David do to deserve that? Is that mathematical? David did this, so this happens, and this, this, uh, all that makes sense. So we reap. No. It doesn't make any sense. Apostle Paul was shipwrecked. The Apostle Paul was beaten. The Apostle Paul was thrown in jail. The Apostle Paul was left for dead. This is the man that opened up the whole Western world to Christianity. <laughs> Wrote 13 books of the New Testament. If anybody seems like, God, I have his arms of protection around, it seems like it ought to be this guy. But, but Paul wrote, and Karen, I didn't put this on the screen, but Paul writes in 2 Corinthians. Let me just read it to you. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. I'll suck it up, Paul. Have more faith, Paul. Pray more, Paul. Far beyond our ability to endure, and then listen to this, so that we despaired even of life. He despaired of life. He had reached the end of his resources, and he even despaired even that he was still alive. I don't know. That almost sounds like depression to me. We put a name on it today. Far beyond his ability to endure. So that we even despaired of life itself. Oh, you can, you, we can get all spiritual and I can, I can do the pastor thing. And I can say, the people that God uses greatly, he will also hurt greatly. And there's a lot of precedent for that. And God, if you, God's going to use you to do great things for him, he's going to put you through some difficulties. The refining fire Steve Green wrote and sung about. But it just don't always work that easy. Okay, I'm going through this fire. God's going to use me greatly, right? doesn't always work that way. Christian life's not mathematical. Hey, one thing I want to tell you is they were just going to the other side. 
okay? They were just going to the side. They weren't out of the will of God. They were just going to the other side. John 16, 33 is a verse that you know, right? In this world, you will have trouble. Jesus said that. Let's just get it plain right now. In this world, you will have trouble. I'm, I'm not promising you a, a roller coaster ride to heaven. In this, word, in this world, you will, you will have trouble. But I just put a little smidgen of that verse up there. Put the whole verse up there, Karen, John 16, 33. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world now, listen, in me you're going to have peace. But in the world you're going to have trouble. But rejoice. I've overcome the world. But rejoice. This world is not the whole story. But rejoice. This world is not your home. In me, in me, you will have peace. Not in the world. Don't, don't expect to find peace in the world. Don't expect to find peace in the world. We, we, we used to sing victory in Jesus. It was in Jesus where our victory was. Our, our victory wasn't in the world. Our victory wasn't in our families. My goodness, our families are a mess, aren't they? Our families are hard. Many times there's not peace in our families. The peace is in Jesus. In the world you will have trouble. But rejoice, I've overcome the world. But rejoice in me. You can have peace through all the tribulation and all the trial and all the trouble that you're going to have in the world because the world's going to bring you trouble. If you're going to be on here 70 years, on this planet 70 years, then you're going to have trouble. But in me, you can have peace. Storms happen. Why do they happen, Mark? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Fallen world is about the best I can do. It just happened. Believer, unbeliever. Mark, the Apostle Paul. Joe, Moses. David, Karen. This happened. That's, but it, it's interesting to see in this passage that the disciples, they say, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we drown? Same question we ask. People are people, whether it's 2,000 years ago or whether it's not. Don't you care if we drown? <laughs> and Jesus, according, at least what's recorded in the Bible, he doesn't answer them. He doesn't get up and give some big theological treatise on why this happened. He, didn't, he doesn't answer that question. He just calmed the waves. He just calmed the waves. He doesn't say this plus this will equal this. He doesn't say this is why this happened. He just 
doesn't even answer the question. At least it's not recorded. Don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we drown? And he doesn't answer that question. That's, that's amazingly similar to me to the book of Job. Because in the book of Job, Job has all this stuff going on. If you're not really a Bible person, don't know the book of Job, let me tell you, this is a guy that the Bible says was a really good guy, a righteous guy, loved God, and just went through all kinds of grief in his life. And I could spend time explaining all that to you, but just take my word for it if you don't know the story. Went through all kinds of grief. And, and Job started questioning God and, and started even accusing God. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a righteous guy, and why did I have to go through all this kind of stuff and lose all of my family and da-da-da, da-da-da? Why did I have to go through all of that? You know what? God doesn't answer him. He doesn't explain it to him. He doesn't say, okay, because of this and this and this, this is what we have. He doesn't do that. He simply answers him, not with, not with the answer to his question. He simply answers him, if you can let me talk this way, he answers him with himself in Job chapter 38. So, so after Job accuses and blames, this is God's response. Uh, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Talking to Job. So Job is accusing God and blaming God and how can you be good and da-da-da and, and basically he goes, who's talking down here? That's what God says in Job 38. Brace yourself like a man, Job. I, I, I will question you. You question me, I'll question you. And you shall answer me, Job. This is after Job had questioned God. God not answering. He said, just, just, just sit up straight here. I'm going to question you. This is God of all, all the universe. And what's he say? Where were you, Job, when I laid the foundation of the earth? Where were you, Job? You want to question me and, and, and you're, you're going to blame me and you're going to question my goodness? I'm going to ask you a question. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, Job, if you understand that. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know that, Job. Who stretched a measuring rod, a measuring line across it? Or what were its, fo- or, or what were its footings set and who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for Job. Job, tell me that, you know. Come on, you, you answer me on that, Job. Have you, have you ever given orders to the morning, Job? Or have you ever shown dawn its place? Have you ever done that, Joe? This is, this is God's response to, to what the Bible calls a righteous man who went through great difficulties, through no fault of his own, and um, it started questioning the goodness of God. Uh, that it might take the earth by its edges and shake the wicked out of it. Next verse. Have, you, have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness, Job? Have you comprehend the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know this, Job. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow and seen the storehouses of hail? Have you, have you done that, Job? See, see God answers him with himself. And he basically says, I'm God. I'm God. And maybe the answer that I could give you, you wouldn't even understand anyway, because you, you, you can't comprehend the vastness of this earth. 
in the vastness of what I do and what I don't do. He answers him with himself. Without answering the question, he just talks about himself. What else do we have up here? Do you know when the mountain goats give birth, Joe? Do you watch when the doe bears her fawn? Do you count the months till they bear? Do you know the time they give birth? Does the hawk take flight by your wisdom and spread its wings toward the south? Does the eagle soar at your command and build its nest on high? And Job responds finally after two whole chapters of that. Job responds. And he says, surely I spoke of things that I don't understand. There's a song we sing now that says, let, let our words be few. Things too wonderful for me to know. Things too wonderful to me to comprehend. It's fascinating to me that um, they say, don't, don't, don't you care if we drown? He doesn't answer them. He just gets up and he calms the storms. Which means that he's probably not going to answer our questions either. And we just have to learn to be at peace with a question. He's probably not going to give you an answer to yours either. Oh, you may get emotional and come up with some answer that you think that he might have said and that may or may not be true. Or somebody may come over to you and your resident theologian in our church, whoever that is, and going to explain what God did. <laughs> Most time, God doesn't give that answer. He asks you, Kent, will you be at peace with the question? Will you have faith even amidst the question? Or do you need proof? Or do you doubt? Or will you just trust me in the midst of your doubts? You, you trust me, Mark, when everything's going well and you're on the mountaintop. Why is it you have that same difficulty when we're down here? I'm the same God here that I'm down here. Our little story in Mark ends in Mark uh, chapter 4, verse 40. <laughs> it all comes down to faith. And he says to me and he says to you and he says to the families of the Cuban pastors, this, this thing comes down to faith. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? in the midst of the questions? Will you trust me in the midst of your doubts? Will you trust me in the things that do not, when two plus two doesn't equal four? Will, will, will you trust me? That's what I'm looking for. Hebrews something, something says, without faith, you cannot please God. And if I understood everything, I would not need faith. If I saw as he saw, I would be living by sight and not by faith. He somehow, for a reason that he decided on his own, he's flattered by faith. He wants to be worshipped by faith. 
If I can say this reverently about God, I'm not trying to be flippant here. He gets a kick out of when you really trust him. If you let me speak that way about God. He's tickled to death when you lean hard on him. Admits sight. Admits the storms. Admits the things that when two plus two equals five. So I didn't answer any questions for him, did I? Nobody said amen during the whole sermon. <laughs> but I can't, but if you don't grab this truth, I'm looking at people right now, all through this place, and in only the eight years that I've been here, I can pick out here and here and here and here and here unexplained tragedies that have happened. Unexplained things that have happened to you as a Christian person. Storms happen, friends. If you're an unbeliever here today and you've never committed your life to Christ, um, don't think he's going to protect you from the stuff of life. He'll, he'll be with you during the stuff of life. That's a good time to say amen. Yeah, yeah. He'll be with you during the stuff of life. You have peace in him. He'll be with you during the stuff of life, but you're still going to go through the stuff. Uh, sometimes you reap what has been sown. Okay? That, that happens sometimes. But then there's other times. There's no explanation for it. It's not mathematical. And the only answer is storms happen. Will you trust him? Will you love him just as much when you're down here as when you're up here? When my, when my brother was suffering with shingles and he's down here, God is the same God is on the absolute best day that he was not suffering from shingles feeling like God was so close he could just touch him. Same God. Storms just happen. They just happen. Our servers are coming to the table. You know, it all comes down to the cross, I guess, doesn't it? I guess it really does. The Bible talks about how to live a Christian life and the Bible talks about living a good Christian life and all that kind of stuff and that's really, really important to live a life that's pleasing to God. All That's really, really important. But what the whole thing really boils down to is that even though this world is not our home because of our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, there's a place one day that no storms will happen and no cancer will come and no depression will linger, and no car accidents will happen, and no planes will go down. Shed away everything, and it comes to that. It comes to that. And we come to the altar this morning, and we take of the cup, and we take of the bread, and we say, in this world, we will have trouble.
But thank you, Jesus. You've overcome the world and allow us to overcome the world one day as well. Father, I wish I was um, a good enough preacher to, to preach this a little better and maybe bring a little more comfort. But I just, wherever I'm living right now as a 25-year-old Christian, this is how I understand these difficulties of life. And Father, if there's more things that I need to understand that I can relate to my people here, I just pray you'd give me illumination on that. But until you do, I've just got to tell them the storms happen. But you've overcome that storm. And there one day, because of your death on the cross and our faith and trust and believe in that, there's a place, there's a place where we will be able to experience the peace that avoided us here on this earth if they're able to experience the type of living that is impossible here on this earth. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Jesus, that you face the storms of life to become human and die on the cross for us. May we remember that as we come to the table in Jesus' name. Amen.